Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first, On Second Thought. On Second Thought episode 248, brought to you by Hook'em.com, our good friends at Bud Light. Cedric Golden here with my boys, Kirk Bowles and Brian Davis, who made it out of Lubbock alive. The Longhorns lose 77-64 to Texas Tech. Uh, We are going to chop that up. And also, uh, Duck and I are going to talk a little NFL after this this segment. But let's, let's start with BD. Chris Beard made it back in one piece. The Longhorns are still intact. But how is that psyche after going through hell in a handbasket in Lubbock? See, why didn't you ask about my psyche? Why didn't you ask whether I made it through? I was going in, in to. One piece? I was going to. I care. I love you. Well, to be fair, you knew I was going to make it out of there because, number one, uh, I avoided a Miller Lite shower. Unlike one poor Texas fan who was walking around uh, Raiderville, uh, he got he got doused. Um, why couldn't and, he get doused? Why couldn't he get doused by Bud Light? That's our sponsor. It was either. <laughs> I think it was. It might have been Michelob Ultra for all I know. There was a lot of Michelob Ultra out there because you, you don't know, want to waste Bud Light. There, there, <laughs> I mean, let's let's be honest. The students couldn't be too drunk. They were basically drinking water. So you know. Anyway, so you know why. Um, I think what we saw on the on the videos the other night, we expected craziness. That's what we got. I got to tell you guys, and, I, and I'm not I'm not exaggerating here. It was top three uh, basketball environments I've ever been in. Um, one has to be uh, the Indiana game uh, in the in the mid aughts uh, for the Sweet 16 uh, when Tom Coverdale hit a bunch of threes for Indiana against Duke. But that that last night, the the explosion of sound that was coming out of the students, not the profanity and not the crazy chants, but the explosion of sound every time Tech did something good, it was it was incredible. Why are you minimizing the Texas Incarnate Word <laughs> or Arkansas Pine Bluff? That was also good. Are we, also are, good. Did they play? Did they play uh, Texas Corpus Christ, Christi yet? Not, not yet. yet. What what about uh, Pan American? <laughs> hey, <laughs> they hey, did. I, I, hey, I, I wasn't. Hey, I was at the San Jose State game, and Chris yeah. Beard said that, that team's going to compete for for its conference title. That team was like four and twenty seven last year. So this Quit Tech bragging. team, I don't think went four and twenty seven. Quit no. bragging. That that was a great environment. That that truly was. I don't know how many times Texas Tech has sold out. The United uh, Supermarket Arena this year. I'm betting maybe once now. I don't know, but you know, taken alone by itself, that was a super game, super environment, and uh, it was it was fun to watch. It really was, and 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 they they packed United Supermarkets Arena, and there was a cleanup on aisle four, and it was Longhorn uh, cleanup that needed to happen. Now, I gotta I gotta ask you guys this. Chris Beard was asked about all the buildup and the vitriol that was directed at him. And here's what CB had to say. Yeah, tonight wasn't about me, guys. Uh, I'm on the record my whole career. And uh, you guys understand that I respect the opponent and I respect the game. And so tonight wasn't about me. And congratulate Texas Tech on a on a good home win in the Big Twelve. Um, had a great crowd tonight. Um, student attendance uh, was noticeable, and um, 
Yeah, I, just, I thought it was a good college basketball game. We wish we would have played better, um, but it wasn't for the lack of effort. Our guys battled tonight, uh, but tonight wasn't about me. So, BD, it wasn't about Chris Beard, huh? It was just a basketball game. Allegedly. Allegedly. Just a basketball game. You know, listen, when he busted that out the first time, I kind of let it go. But then he circled back to that at the end of the press and says, look, it's not about me. Oh, OK, coach. I mean, look, look, I'm just going to let you go with a with a warning this time. I'm, I'm the cop letting you go with a warning. Yeah, whatever. It was all about Chris Beard. Come on. I mean, it was all about Chris Beard. I asked uh, Kevin McCuller. I said, listen, I said, Kevin, the question has to be asked, you know, the entire fandom wanted to see you beat not. Yes, they wanted to beat Texas. I get it. But no, they wanted to beat Chris Beard. It doesn't matter what team rolled in there. But well, maybe it was. Maybe it is the fact of Chris Beard plus Texas. Maybe it's that combination. Yeah, yeah don't. But, that. but they wanted to put it on that guy last night like, like, like you wouldn't believe. And for anyone to say anything else otherwise is either just being naive or just not wanting to admit the obvious. And, and let me say this, uh, and you were there, BD. I didn't see anybody throw anything, you know. Uh, well, did you see any debris on the court? The, the only, well, I have to say, uh, talking with some several tech administrators, that is the one thing they were terrified of. They really thought that tech students were going to throw something on the floor, cause a disruption in that in yeah. that manner. And I got to tell you, man, they really hammered those students about do not throw something. Uh, Norris Odiasi got out there 40 minutes before the game, made a big speech. Don't throw anything. Joey McGuire got on the mic. Please don't throw anything. Do not ruin this for us. Help our team win. Um, I I mean, look, Texas Tech, from an administrative standpoint, hats off to them because they did every single thing that they should have done to stress, you know, don't, uh, don't hurt our team, you know, help our team win. And that's exactly what the students did. And I just couldn't, I couldn't help coming away from that going. Now I get it. This is why Chris Beard has been hammering the UT fan base to show up to the games. He wants that. That's what he wants. He wants passion. He wants vitriol. He wants hatred. He wants people to go, Oh God, we got to go play in that place. He wants that Moody Center to be rocked next year uh, when they open it up. And I don't know if that is the DNA of a Texas basketball fan because I'll let you answer this, BD, because uh, we've called them wine and cheese before, and and that led Beard to put some hors d'oeuvres on your media seat earlier this season. But I don't know if the Texas fan base has that kind of that kind of passion for basketball. And that's what he's trying to bring here. Without a doubt. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head, drove it all the way in. That's what Beard wants in Austin. Okay. But it's not going to happen in a 16,540 seat arena. It might happen in a 10,000 seat arena where you, by all uh, indications, you're going to feel like you're on top of the court, right? And creating this atmosphere where it feels like everyone is looking down right on top of you, possibly. But um, in the Irwin Center, it's just, it's just not going to happen. But you're exactly right, said. The big thing about last night is that part of that was Beard's own creation. You know, Beard is the one who got them all worked up about come to luck, come to the super United supermarket arena. I still call it United spirit arena, you know, four to one, um, you know, tech students, you know, Chris Beard fireside chat. I mean, he's doing all the same things at Texas. The problem is, is that Texas is Texas, and you know, and, and you got to, you, you got to uh, get them there, you know, whether it's with free chicken fingers or free tacos or, or free, you know, A's in history class. I don't know what you got to do to bribe them to get them there, but uh, but but that's what he wants. And I think it's we're not going to see that until maybe next season in the new place. But I have the question, do tech fans act like that every game? You know, I know they're undefeated at home. I think, what, 13 and 0 at home now. And I think yeah. Beard was undefeated at home last year, I think. Uh, but I don't know that Lubbock is known as that hotbed that, oh, my God, you don't want to go in there. I mean, 
We've all been there, you know, hundreds of times. Go back to the Coliseum. You know, I've been going there since the 70s. I've never – it's always a – it's a good arena. It's a good fan base. It's loud. But, you know, usually, Brian, you and I have been there for Texas games, and that's going to up the decibel level. But I don't know if they are like that, you know, day in, day out for other games. And so, you know, but UT, it's, to me, it's never going to be like that. But I, I would agree with you, Brian. I thought they were well-behaved. Uh, my hat's off to them too. They had ample security, and uh, you know, frankly, I was surprised they didn't storm the court. You know, and they didn't even do that. That's well, that's well, well they, they did at the end. They did at oh, the they end. Did. Oh, well, well, what they did was, you know, how Beard has been doing the uh, "Hey, students, come down, take a photo" type yeah. of thing. I mean, I, that's not storming the court, but that's what Tech students did. Probably after ESPN went off the air. Yeah. Uh, Tech students came down on the floor for like a group photo type of thing, uh, but it was very well organized and it wasn't like it wasn't what you're saying, Kirk, of court storming. It, it was yeah. not that. That's why I don't think it should have. They're better than Texas. They are better than Texas. I mean, yeah, you know, you're a lot of times you're better than people, but an emotional game. A lot of fans storm the court. Yeah, but you know what? They punk. They beat Texas by double digits, and sure. it's what was expected. They have bigger fish to fry than Texas. And they they put all their emotions in it before that game at the team bus at the shoot around and all of that. Once the deal was done, they they turned the page. And I don't think they thought Texas was worthy of a court storming. I really don't. I thought Beard was. You know, <laughs> all that emotion. But he got everything else. They 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 kicked his butt. They don't need to storm the court after that. They kicked Here, here's, his butt. Here's the here's the scary thing, guys, about this team. Marcus Carr had uh, had 18 last night, five for 12, and Ramey and Ramey had 12 points. Okay, uh, C- Christian uh, Christian Bishop also had 11 points in just 17 minutes. He should have played more. But if you take away or if you even slightly diminish those contributions, it's Texas bad. gets run out of there. It's bad. Texas Courtney, gets run out of there. And Courtney Ramey hit some ungodly contested threes, beating the shot clock. And they all came in the first half. Uh, he didn't score in the second half. And so uh, if you take those away, it, it, it's a 25-point shellacking because the other guys didn't show up. A.J. Wan didn't show up. Uh, Jace Febris, uh, man, I, I don't know if he's ever going to be the same. He just looks like he doesn't have it anymore. And that was on a night when they could have really used a couple of threes to settle them down. And what the hell was Avery Benson? doing in there in the first in the first six minutes of the game what was that about well i i actually asked beard i said you know you know you don't normally go that deep into your bench but you had 11 guys playing the first half you know including avery and i said were you looking for a spark were you looking for personnel you know and he said basically all the above right and you know i kind of i really felt bad for avery it, you know if you want to blast the coaches go for it but, but they unloaded on him. That's not his Ooh. fault. They unloaded and, on Benson. And Brian, I, I've I've covered like five or six games. When has he played? When is the last time he got some action? And was it meaningful action? I don't remember him playing at a game I've been to. It was January 15th. It was January 15th. That's a month ago. He hadn't played in six games. I know. I, I think uh, that was toughness. He wanted toughness. Yeah. But, um, that's what I think he wanted. But, yeah, I didn't. Totally understand. One thing I would give uh, Marcus Carr uh, uh, kudos for being aggressive in the second half and mm-hmm. taking it to the rim. And I think kind of that's kind of what this Texas team has been missing. The great point guard play, you know, that either gets to the rim and gets a layup or gets fouled or gets kick out to open shooters. And, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but, oh, my God, I miss Matt Coleman. You know, where oh. where is he? But. And like you said about Courtney, Courtney disappeared. And it's almost like Courtney's threes are nothing now. And, and you know, and I don't know. I just thought they were so tentative there. And the fact that they went the third game this year without a free throw attempt. You know, boy, if that's not the criteria for toughness or lack thereof, I don't know what is. Are, are, you, are Big 12 refs hating them? But go ahead, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Big 12 refs hating. Look at this. Uh, one, 
well, I can't find it here. I got my stat sheet in front of me. Did you guys see they almost got uh, in the bonus in the first half? Uh, Texas would have gotten a free throw via the one and one because Tech was fouling, but it was not because Texas was initiating contact or anything like that. It was all these off the ball calls or or offensive fouls or or whatever. The fact that Texas now has played three games this season, three games, and not had three conference games, mind you, three conference games, and not had a single free throw in the first half. I mean, it's I would say it's unexplainable, but it's but it's inexcusable, right? You are not being aggressive and going to the rack like you're supposed to be. You are not getting the ball down low and forcing contact like you're supposed to be. If in three conference games you can't get a single free throw attempt in the first half. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think I think Bob Bowlesby did miss a couple of calls there. He could have whistled. <laughs> I thought the I, I thought the refs did an okay job. I mean, yeah, was, I, thought I did fine. too. I said I'm with you. I, I thought they were fine. I did too. I thought they were fine, but again, it goes back to the lack of physicality, I think. And I, and you know, Bishop was looking pretty good in the paint, had some hook shots and was doing okay. Timmy Allen, I thought disappeared uh, besides AJ. I, I thought, you know, Timmy Allen, he was, was bad early. He was bad early. He was bad early and they got down 19 to seven and just, you know, and I thought, you know, they kind of weathered the storm and what did they get within six there, like eight mm-hmm. minutes left and, had a chance, but said like you said, they needed a Jess, Jace Febris three. They needed an AJ three. And while uh, Obanor is, you know, using every part of the rim for a couple of his threes, you know, they were getting a couple cheap threes and Texas did not. And uh, that's why we saw separation. But Texas Tech clearly better than Texas. I'm looking at bracketology today, and they got Texas Tech as a four seed. And I think that's probably appropriate. Texas is a sixth seed, which me may be too high. What do y'all think? I think I think it's a little high for right now. And uh, you know the the, <clears throat> the 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 it will all come out in the wash. And uh, they feel to me like a seven or an eight. Um, yeah, me too. But they're going to have to hold serve uh, against uh, teams like Iowa State that's coming in here on Saturday, one o'clock. At Club Irwin, um, I got to ask you this because I wrote this um, for Saturday's paper. Um, is Texas capable of putting that kind of that kind of juice as a fan base? I mean, you had Ric Flair; they dusted off Ric Flair, and how much do you have? How much? How, how bad a shape is he in financially to be taking gigs? <laughs> to go to a college basketball game in Lubbock, Texas. I mean, uh, well, I was going to say, said, did you see, he just announced that he was divorcing his wife. Again, I think he's getting a separation. So yeah, I think he, he might need some money. I think that's four. He's behind on his taxes. Uh, Woo. Yeah. He looked and he looked and he looked like Ric Flair and it was, it was fun, and then I saw a gorilla behind him and with a law firm T-shirt on, and I'm like, you know what? This is wonderful. This is wonderful. Can Texas do something like that? Where's the minister of culture, Doug? Where's that three-piece burn orange suit? Where is Matthew McConaughey? Where is Mark Henry? Where's the undertaker? Doug, where, where are the luminaries? I, I can tell you where they are. They're not at the Urban Center. It's like you know, they're still feeling the effects of five and seven from the fall. Yeah, uh, here they are, five and four in the Big 12 with, you know, trying to scratch out some momentum, trying to figure out who they are this late in the season. Dribble, 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 take a shot. You know, uh, that's why they're not here. And uh, so, but I think we do need to be careful making comparisons to that Lubbock atmosphere because this was a, a special occasion. You think it's a, so you think it's a one-off? You don't think it's going to be raucous like that every – it's not Cameron Edwards, yeah. what you're saying. I don't, think, I don't think Lubbock treats West Virginia that way or Kansas State that way. What about, what about Kansas? No, just, everybody kind of treats Kansas that way. That, that's just just remember, just remember, we're, we're talking about uh, – they the, the students had three days to camp out, okay, uh, three days to get worked up over a coach that they feel betrayed them to get worked up over what tech considers to be one of its biggest rivals, if not the biggest rival 
Okay. It's way down the list in terms of Texas's rival, but but the tech, it's their number one rival, right? Um, yeah. So no, they don't get this worked up when Baylor comes to town or, or West Virginia or whatever. It was the combination of beard plus the Bevos and Guys, we're going to see it again here in a couple of weeks. Texas Tech fans have scooped up all the remaining extra tickets at the Club Irwin. Um, there's going to, it's going to be some black and red in our, in Austin here in a couple of weeks. Stone Cold coming? Who's all coming for that? Uh, and I'm sure McConaughey will be uh, on a press. Will he? Will he? Maybe not. Maybe not. Over, so, overrated. Overrated. I, I, think, I think Texas Tech is really good. I love them in the paint. On offense and defense, they've got depth. They obviously play defense and stuff. I think they got Final Four potential in them. And this is kind of just kind of the weird year. Auburn, number one, and then they almost lose to Missouri first game out. So I, I think Texas Tech had some magic this year. Texas, to me, looks like uh, maybe win an NCAA tournament game, lose the second game. I mean, how do you kind of see these two teams, both of you? I can't wait for that first round game between Texas and Marquette. That is going to be exact. great. That's going to that be that's going to be some shaka, some beard, a <laughs> little bit of history. Uh, we're going to come full circle. And if they're playing tomorrow, I'm taking Marquette, dog. I'm taking Marquette <laughs> over Longhorns. But I, I, I'm telling you, I, I I need to see more from from Andrew Jones. They missed him. They missed that scoring punch. And he is not a shooter. He's a scorer. He finds a way to, to get buckets. And they smothered him. And every time he got the ball, they were in his jock. And they forced a couple turnovers. And uh, he just, he, you know, he just never got going. If Andrew Jones is scoring 12 to 15 points, Texas is usually in pretty good shape because they're getting it from, a, from, getting it from someone who's not Marcus Carr and who's not Courtney Ramey, who's not Trey Mitchell who's not Timmy Allen. They need Andrew Jones to be Andrew Jones. PD? No, I, I agree 100%. Andrew, Andrew's got to he, – he cannot have nights where he just disappears. They can't afford that, right? Um, they can't afford for Timmy Allen to kind of disappear like, like he did. Um, I, I mentioned this earlier. I still think that – I still think that Christian Bishop is starting to find a little something. I think he should be playing more. Um, if I'm being completely honest, I, I think Dylan DeSue has been a disappointment. You know, I mean, if, if you told me that they were going to get the SEC's leading rebounder, who is a local product to, who wanted to come home. Yes, absolutely. Give me that guy. But he, you know, maybe his knee isn't fully there. I don't know, but um, I, I thought he would do a little more than he has, you know, Brock, for his part, has been Brock. You know, yeah. quite Step frankly, five. Brock's been Brock's been great for even hit what, a three, even hit a big three. For absolutely. Him. I mean, I mean, for what we have seen, what we've seen the last few years, that's what Brock is giving them now. And so uh, there, there's there's no surprise there. Um, Devin Askew, I mean, he he he's he's got some more ways to go. There's there's no doubt about that. Where's Trey Mitchell? Oh yeah, that's right. Trey Mitchell. Don't forget about him. I mean, well, maybe he? I wanted to forget about him after after just that horrific uh, turnover that led to the dunk, which was basically the nail in the coffin. Oh, was just with about murders. five minutes left. It was fit, I think it was fifty five forty eight. So it was they had, and they had a chance to cut it. Yeah, they had a chance to cut it to five, and there's plenty of time left. And that was Davis Warren. Remember and, Warren? Yes, back to back plays. Really huge. Just gave him the ball. He just gave yeah. it to him. Yep. Just gave Can't it. Can't be to doing him. that. Can't Trey Mitchell's too soft. He's, he's, where's the physicality? Well, real quick, I was just going to say that Trey Mitchell, I do think, is their best front court interior passer. I like his ability to distribute the ball. He's nice. He's nice. Somebody needs some toughness. Somebody needs to, you know, put an elbow in somebody's chest or stuff like that. I don't know if it's, you know, I just don't see the physical play out of Mitchell or Disu or, you know, Bishop that, that Texas really needs and that beard wants, you know, I don't know. I just, I don't know. So what is the upside? I mean, we're, we're, we're right here in the heart of the schedule in February. I mean, they're kind of a middle of the pack, big 12 team, right? Yeah. Got to fit, got to finish 500 or better to make sure you get in. And then, and then we'll, 
and 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 then we'll see who they get in the tournament. They've got some games coming up that are winnable games, but uh, they can't they can't get caught slipping against Iowa State on Saturday because if, if that happens, then you're looking at five and five, and then all of a sudden you start thinking, is this where they start to go down? Yeah, and Iowa State has been really scrappy lately, so that's not a given that they're going to work Iowa State. But plus, you know, you got four games left with Baylor and Kansas. You know, I mean, you hope to win one of those, if not two. But, you know, you lose all four. You're five and four right now. If you're looking at five and eight, boy, that margin for error is going to slip. Yeah, they haven't been to Oklahoma or West Virginia, have they? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's, okay, so let's and, you still have, and you still have to play Tech again. But go ahead, Brian. Still got to play Tech yeah. again. Okay, check this yeah. out. Check this out. Okay, five and four. Right. And, and uh, to both of your points, to get to 500. Okay, so I'm going to go down the list. Um, and let, let's let, we'll just go, we'll just go through these one at a time. Texas is currently five and four at the turn. Okay, nine mm-hmm. games left. All right. Um, home against Iowa State. Win. Okay. Home against Kansas. Loss. Okay. At Baylor. Loss. Loss. Okay. At Oklahoma. They could steal that one. I'll give them a win. I'll give them a win there too. I'll give them one there too. Okay. Home against Texas Tech. I'm going to say win for payback. Okay. I'm down with that. I'm, I'm down with that. I'm definitely down with that. Home against TCU. Win. W. Okay. At West Virginia, a place that has been a house brutally of, house of horrors. Loss. West Virginia is bad right now. They are bad. They've lost six games in a row. So I, uh-huh. I'm, I, I might give Texas edge there. I'm say okay. Loss. And finally, finally, home against Baylor. Win. Oh, 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 wow. Homer. Okay. And then, and then closing the regular season at Allen Fieldhouse at Kansas. That's a big L. <laughs> especially, after, especially after 84 59 last year. They're going to be okay. ready. They're going to be ready. Five and four again. Okay. Now, Kirk, now what you yeah. just rattled off, if I think, yeah. if I think, if I counted with you correctly, mm-hmm. right? I said if they went two and four against Kansas Tech and Baylor, they would be fine and just and just win some of the other games, okay? But you just can't go zero and six. No, you can't go. You go and six seasons over. And when does the NIT start? And can we get a home game? Hey, I, hey, 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 hey! NIT champion. Texas thank you. Longhorns. I was going to say because if 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 you can win two NITs in three years, <laughs> that big. is wow. I, I dare to say that's never happened in the history of Texas basketball. Let's put the banner up in Moody Center. It's going to be an event. It's going to be an awesome banner. Okay, so said said you you had your hands up there. You you say a uh, ten and eight. No, that's I think that's what Duck has them at. I feel like it's a nine and nine. Okay, I feel I feel like it's a nine. You know what? I I think it's more nine and nine too. Said I just was going. You know, they could lose at home to Baylor. Obviously, they could lose at Oklahoma. You know, I mean, none of these are givens. I just I don't know. Does this team believe in itself? I just I keep thinking this is a team of spare parts. And it's well, just they're new, up. but they're new though. They got they still they're still hey, trying to figure it Texas out. Texas Tech had six transfers. They're new with a new coach too. So I is, mean, it, is it a new coach or is it Mark Adams who was there for the beard years? Hey, and all, all, and all of a sudden, oh my God, all of a sudden my emails get blown up. No, no, Mark Adams was he was the architect. Chris exactly. Beard, Chris Beard took all the credit. Mark Auburn, Adams established this culture. Auburn's got five transfers and a freshman, maybe player of the year. They're number one in the country. So we you know. I worry, or are you picking them to finish in the tournament? Auburn? Yeah. Sweet 16. Auburn may be winning it all. No. Not even, they're, they're, not even, they're, not, good. they're not even eligible to play. Auburn? I don't they think they're eligible for the postseason, are they? Oh, yeah. Are yeah, they? they? I thought Bruce Pearl got them in trouble. He did, but hey, Kansas in trouble. They're still playing. LSU. They're so mad trouble. at. Listen, they're, listen. They're so mad at Auburn. They they suspended Oklahoma State, <laughs> Cleveland State. Well, Auburn's probably the favorites to win it all. Them. I like Auburn. I know. I really. I like Auburn. I I, I like. I like. I like what he's doing. But uh, Texas is a long way from that. Texas. Well, my is a my long point way is that. that everybody's got transfers now. Texas, Auburn, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, just go down the list. And, you know, other ones assimilate a little quicker. And like I said, I just don't see the 
cohesiveness or chemistry with this bunch of Longhorns, do y'all? Well, you know what? The next the next time after a game, you know, when they bring three or four players out, you need to ask them about that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wish you could interview all the players. <laughs> do they have players? They got more than one? You got to meet them. I saw, Mark, I saw Marcus Carr got interviewed. I mean, that was about it. Yeah. Oh, he's the, team, he's the team spokesman after losses. Yeah. Brian, how many did they bring in Lubbock? How many players? One. Marcus Carr. Oh, God. Most transparent program in America. He's going to need our, but he's going to, but he's going to really need our help to build this thing. Remember, he told us that at the beginning of the year. You know what, Chris yeah. Beard? Give us, give us some freaking help. We're, yeah, help we're, means we're, we're trying to cover your program. Yeah, I mean, stay out of his way is what what help means. So anyway, how do you think uh, the Texas players took that loss, Brian? How do you know he didn't talk to him? Yeah, well, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, their body language. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, typical, I don't want to say a typical loss, but, you know, I mean, they, look, they knew it was a big they knew it was a big game. They knew it was big. They, they knew that they knew that their coach was kind of on the firing line there last night. Um, you, you know, it's it's hard not to be emotionally wrapped up in that, I would think. I just don't they don't seem angry to me. It's like, you know, every time Kansas loses, they're so pissed off. They want to rip somebody's head off. I just think. Texas, they're a bunch of nice guys with some uh, decent to good basketball players, but they're just, you know, not special unless they surprise us. And quite frankly, I'm very surprised. I thought we're sitting here in February. We're going, all right, all right, Beard's got it going. Then I just haven't seen it yet. Well, we still, it's still a football school. And you know what, up until, up until last November in Austin, Kansas was also, a uh, basketball school, but I hey think hey Kansas now. might be a football hey school now. now. But anyway, they don't want it as badly. I was glad to see Rick Barnes get his flowers, uh, and and it was fun. And Chris Beard got his thorns because he left. It's it's what makes college basketball or college sports overall great. I love the rivalry. I love the pageantry, and I love the hatred. Hatred sells tickets, and that was one hell of a game. From that standpoint, absolutely. And no one doubt. question I'd like to ask you guys, and Seth and I are going to address it in our take on Saturday, because of some of the vitriol and acrimony. Could Texas administration said, "Well, screw you, Texas Tech. If you're going to block our bus and you're going to do all these things, we're not going to play in football." Do you think it could have any uh, repercussions, Brian? All I know is this: is that the agreement that Kirby Hocutt was was crowing about about how, you know, they're going to play each other every year in non-conference. All I know is that there is nothing on paper yet. There is nothing that is signed, sealed, and delivered yet. So Tech can say that all they all they want. I'm just telling you, from Texas's standpoint, they have no contractual agreement to play Texas Tech in anything beyond once they leave the Big 12. So it's probably in jeopardy, isn't it? Oh, it's, I think it's definitely in jeopardy, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. Sid, what do you think? I agree, and I I want some of those old Southwest Conference Big 12 rivalries to continue. I want to see Texas playing Texas Tech in a basketball, maybe a home-and-home or or just one game a year because Tech's going to always be good. But I I would hate to see us lose those rivalries because we're out in Starkville eating catfish. I, I, I I want to keep some of those old rivalries intact. Yeah, I do too. I definitely do. Okay. BD, we appreciate you stopping by, dog, and we will do it again. Texas plays Iowa State on Saturday, 1 o'clock. We'll see you over there, dog. Yes, sir. Glad you're still in one piece, BD. (laughs) Me too. On second thought. Doug, Brian Davis always worked the price of admission, and admission is free, so, you know, take that for what it's (laughs) worth. Um, I am... Man, I'm just coming across this this NFL news about Brian Flores. What a bombshell. What a bombshell. The NFL has been called out by former Dolphins coach Brian Flores, who alleges that the the teams are just treating the Rooney Rule like a sham. And he's suing the league, which may effectively in his run as an NFL coach, and that would be unfortunate. I, I'm surprised you called it a sham because it is a sham, and it has been a sham. And the Rooney family 
you know, Mike Tomlin, one of the best coaches in the league, you know, in the playoffs or the playoff hunt every year, year in, year out. Great guy, great coach. I, I too, applaud Brian Flores, who I think is a hell of a coach, you know, and I wish the Houston Texans would hire him, and we'll talk about that in a second. But courageous stand by him. Uh, yeah, I guess he's never heard the name Colin Kaepernick. Uh, and uh, But, you know, the thing I like about it is that uh, the NFL took it seriously. You know, they took his complaint seriously for – 20, 30 seconds, maybe two minutes before they said it was without merit. So is that any way to run a league? Is that any way to run an investigation? Is that any way to, you know, be objective and want to improve your league? No, it's not. And 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 for him to come out and just basically go, this is what happened to me personally knowing that if you don't say anything that you're probably going to get another job and and you're probably going to have money, but for him to come out and say that Bill Belichick congratulated him on getting the job before he or Brian Dable even interviewed, he thought Belichick thought he was Brian Dable because Belichick is connected and knows what's going on that this Rooney rule is just checking a box Let's get a black guy in here, a minority in here, interview him, and then go hire the white guy we want. Um, I've got nothing against white guys who are the more qualified guys. But but I don't like wasting a, a grown man's time. If you know he's you're not going to hire him, don't bring him in. And I just think that, the, you know, the, the New York Giants, who've never had a black head coach. Never. Um, and they're one of the most stored organizations in all of sports. Uh, the New York Giants knew they weren't going to hire him, and uh, to circumvent the Rooney Rule, it was that wasn't the intent of the Rooney Rule. The Rooney Rule's intent was to get these guys in the door, but not get them in the door just to check a box. I hate that. I hate that. And the fact he shared the text messages from Belichick, man, this guy was leaving no no stone unturned. Yeah, that that's ballsy. That may be as ballsy or more than his actual complaints about the Dolphins in the league and their hiring practices. And, you know, Sid, you and I have talked about this subject a million times, and it's basically it's never going to change until we have more black ownership and black general managers, same as black ADs in the college ranks, you know. You hire who you're familiar with, who you're friends with. And and it sucks, Duncan, because it does. It shouldn't take a black man to hire another black man. It just shouldn't. It shouldn't. You're 100% correct. But here's Eric Bieniemy still sitting on the sidelines. What, is, what does he have to do? Todd Bowles, another one. Byron Leftwich, uh, you know, we've had what? What we have five hirings already? And Vikings are looking at uh, Jim Harbaugh, who didn't exactly tear it up his first go around. And uh, meanwhile, you know, the black community is not represented. So you got, there's a possibility that Mike Tomlin will be the only black coach. Yeah. In the yeah. NFL next year. It, it's a, definitely a possibility. You've got black coordinators. Yeah. But you don't have, you want, you might not have one, you might not have more than one black head coach. And for me, I, I, I think that, um, I think it's a, a, just a real travesty that a league that, that supposedly is progressive and, and wanting to, to show that it's, um, uh, you know, leading the charge when it comes to diversity, when it comes to uh, promoting people from within that have shown themselves capable of doing that job, uh, that it comes down to the Rooney Rule just being a just just being a a tool yeah. to, to not promote uh, qualified black candidates, but but to just but just to check a box and get 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 the right white guy in there and and. Flores is taking a very courageous stand. You mentioned Colin Kaepernick, Duck. Colin Kaepernick never played another down after he spoke out against the league, and he sued the league as well. He settled, but it probably wasn't for the money he would have made had he remained a player. So I think that that what Flores is doing may be career suicide as as far as the NFL is concerned, but it's a very brave undertaking, Uh, and, and I applaud him for it. You know, it 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 just kind of makes a mockery of the whole 
situation. And, you know, and he also blasted the Broncos for their cursory interview and showing up late for the interview and that sort of thing. He, he left no stone unturned. That's for sure. And, you know, I, and I've related this before to affirmative action, how, uh, how important that is for colleges in the name of diversity and inclusiveness. And it's just, and I know people that have said, well, affirmative action is discriminatory. It's racist on the face. I said, yeah, maybe it is. And you know why? Because the, the uh, admission practices are racist in terms of, you know, standardized tests that, you know, aren't as fair to the black community. You know, some things are necessary to correct past wrongs. And I think while the, the Rooney rule is, is intent is good. I don't know how you really fix that because, and you and I would both agree, you shouldn't tell these owners who to hire, but you should tell them to be more enlightened, to be, more forward-thinking, open-minded to the possibility. I mean, what's the percentage of uh, uh, black players in the NFL? What is it, 85%? What do you Seven, think it I is? I think it's 75. 75%. So, you know, you would think from that standpoint alone, you would see, you know, five or six or seven, you know, head coaches, if not more, in the NFL. Are you pessimistic that it's just never going to change and – Business is business, and and the boys will be boys, and the league will be the same forever. Yeah, because here's what I know about uh, rich people, Kirk, uh, and you're you're one of them, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're not a billionaire. But but who who in life tells a tells a billionaire what to do with his money? No one, no one. Right. These guys have been calling the shots their entire lives, and a lot of them duck inherited. The, the team from daddy, uh, Cal McNair, the Houston Texans, inherited the Houston Texans. Mike Brown inherited the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Maras are inherited. The Roonies are inherited. That, sure. Those teams go all the way back to the 50s, 60s, starting back. Uh, the Hallis family uh, still owns the Bears. And so, no. It's not going to change. And, and, and the one thing that, that's really discouraging to me is there, there is another Mike Tomlin out there somewhere. And maybe he can't get in the door because uh, there's another more high-profile black guy that they're going to check the box with. And so uh, I'll believe a team is serious when they, when they interview two black candidates. Then I'll know. Then I'll know. Maybe, maybe they really do want a black coach. I don't think the Giants are ever going to have a black coach. I really don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think the Dallas Cowboys going to ever hire a black coach. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't disagree with you. And what makes a mockery of it is uh, when you look at the Texans, who uh, I guess they've interviewed Brian Flores, right? I think. I yes. think he was in the running for Coach of the Year at Miami, doing what what he was doing there, and had to be a uh, win record. And was winning games while his boss was allegedly telling the tank exactly. for a high draft pick. And if that is proven, if he was told by the owner to tank, then that owner needs to divest himself of that team. Stephen and Ross, it, yeah, Stephen Ross needs to. Absolutely. They need to don't. They need to Donald Sterling, Stephen yeah. Ross, and get him out of that league if that's they really the case. Could. But you know, none of these owners want to rock that boat because then they may come back to haunt them someday. You know, much like you know uh, McNair who I respected, but then he had that remark about, well, we can't let the inmates run the asylum. You know, so, and, and, and it was a bad thing for him to say, but thank you. And, and rest in peace, Mr. McNair, but thank you for illuminating what many of us believe to be the mentality all yeah. along. And that, that gave us a peek behind the curtain. Not that they all think that, but I know at least one of them did. And to me, that's a problem. Yeah. And, and for Houston to be considering Josh McCown, the ex NFL quarterback who has high school coaching experience. And, and you can't turn on the television this week without saying, now, God, Josh McCown's a very good coach. I think he's going to be a great coach in this league. You go, well, how do you know that? For one thing, he never coached beyond the high school level. That makes a further mockery, you know, of this whole process. So he was an assistant, he was an assistant coach at yeah. Russ High School in East Texas. 
an assistant. But he was a hell of an assistant, though. I heard he had great drills in Thursday practices. And uh, and I don't mean to make fun of Josh because maybe he is going to be a great coach. But, you know, he hadn't proven himself like a Brian Flores. Or uh, Eric or Byron Leftwich. And like you've always talked about, you know, you can, these by and large, when these coaches, these black coaches do get the job, this usually a bad job. And usually it's a one-year deal. And then, you know, your career may be closed forever to a head coaching career. So it, it's just a travesty. And, you know, for the NFL only making it worse by saying this is without merit. Well, how do you know? Why don't you investigate it a little bit and then, and then see if it's got merit to it or not? Because you don't want to share your dirty laundry with the rest of us. You know what? And if the Houston Texans uh, want to hire a white guy, that's fine, Duck. I'm not saying don't hire the guy you want. But what I'm saying is don't hire Josh McCown when yeah. when you got Eric Bieniemy, Josh McDaniels, uh, yeah. uh, who Byron left, which yeah, Vance Joseph, go down Vance Joseph, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, you got there are white and black guys. The Texans are in bad shape because they are a poorly run organization. Yeah, Jim Caldwell, poorly run. Jim Caldwell had to come out and say, uh, "No, I did. I didn't turn down those two interviews." I haven't gotten any interviews. And this is this is the man that led the Detroit Lions to, oh, my God. He led the Detroit Lions to two winning seasons in a row. Yeah, Who does that now? They should, give, they, should, they should pull a bridge truck up to Jim Caldwell's house and go, Jim, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you couldn't beat the Green Bay Packers and the Rams and the Vikings, <laughs> but you still managed to, to go over 500. I'm sorry about that, Jim Caldwell. So – so that's those are the problems that we're looking at. You look at David Cully in Houston. He gets one year, Doug. One year. And they expect they expect they expect you to win after you unload DeAndre Hopkins. You trade away your future for Laramie Tunstall and Deshaun Watson uh, mm-hmm. has his problems, and uh, he's got to try and win with a guy named Davis Love. And so you fire him because of that. Really? Gotta blame somebody. Gotta blame somebody. So. And, you know, the NFL, I think the other thing I think they jumped on this so fast and they're hoping this is a one day story. It's not, maybe, maybe not it's going away, but you know what? And they're thinking, Oh my God, Super Bowl is here. We don't want anything to damage our party, you know? So they're going to move heaven and earth to see this, to downplay this, to kill it. Hope it just goes away. So uh, I think they're going to kill Brian Flores, career, but I don't think this goes away. And Brian Flores, if he, Brian Flores could end up coaching in college somewhere if he wants. Oh, he'd be uh, coordinator somewhere too. But if, but if you coach. but if you give him a job in NFL, yeah. that would that might make some of this go away. But it will never change the fact that Stephen Ross asked him to tank games. That's all. That's akin to Pete Rose bend on baseball. That is a an offense where he needs to be kicked the H out of this league. And if he doesn't get the head coaching job, I got the perfect place for him. Bill Belichick now knows who he is you know, <laughs> and uh, he probably knows he's qualified. So Bill Belichick, go hire Brian Flores if he doesn't get a head coaching job. But will he, will he have to unblock him from, from text message <laughs> first or, I mean, it's a good question. you know, Dayball Flores, those could be like, right, right there together. What, what, not, a, that's not a good, Brian. not Belichick's finest hour either. No, it wasn't. It well, speaking speaking of bells, yeah, he lost the man who was primarily responsible for him winning seven Super Bowls. Tom Brady hung him up. TB twelve will not be back for a twenty third season, and uh, you know, great career, Duck. Uh, and uh, first of all, before we get to his legacy, uh, is John Tyler Bowles your middle son? Mm-hmm. He's not on suicide watch or anything like that because. He loved Tom Brady like a fat kid loves cake. Yeah, he's kind of locked himself away. I haven't seen him since. So uh, <laughs> I put out an APB out for his uh, whereabouts now. So, yeah, and and you mentioned Belichick. He was responsible for winning him seven, or actually six, because he won seventh without him, without That's Belichick. right. You're right. And he, and he proved his point. Good so, point. Uh, and it's funny. Did you, did it, didn't you think it odd that Tom Brady didn't mention the Patriots or Belichick and his – his statement of retirement? I didn't think it was odd at all. I think it was intentional. And the photo on the Instagram post was a photo of him beating New England as a Buccaneer, which, beg, <laughs> which begs the question. I've been wanting to ask this all day, Duck. 
Uh-huh. But Tom Brady's getting ready to don that jacket. Oh, no, don't go there. Does he go in as a buck or does he oh. go in as a backer? Don't go there. I mean, as a, as a patriot, I'm sorry. You know, to me, he's got to go in as a patriot. If of course. Not, it's such a huge snub to his teammates. You know, and we don't know how he really feels about Belichick. We know they never dined together. And- but why didn't he mention him? Why didn't he mention him? I don't him? know. It's, it's, it's for the guy that's as calculating and deliberate, methodical as this is, you can't look at that as an oversight. Oh, shoot, I forgot to mention New England. It's like uh, Michael Jordan retiring. I like to thank the Wizards. They had a great career with the Wizards. Emmitt uh, Smith. Emmitt Smith, I'd love to thank the Arizona Cardinals for oh all my the God. love. They gave me a chance. So I don't but know. You know what? Robert Kraft tweeted out. We love you, TB12 and Patriot Nation. So proud of you. Thank you for the beautiful year, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Tom, yeah, 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 you too. I love you too, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Is there Chinese today or what what, what do we Oh, my God. So, and, you know, I think this is all about family. You know, I'm sure everybody's going to blame Giselle Bunch and his wife for forever, you know, for uh, pushing. He's 45. Get him out of here. It's time. All right, but question, don't you think he wants to keep playing? No, no, I I do. I don't. I don't. I'm going to tell you why. Okay. It is in his statement. He said, and I'm paraphrasing here, Doug. He goes, I'm just not able to give that that total commitment to the game. And that's the one thing. Listen to his teammates like Willie McGinnis and Troy Brown, Ty Law. All of those guys have been talking. Teddy Bruschi, Rob Ninkovich have all been talking about. The one thing that separated him from everybody else is he just loved the grind. He loved the practices. He loved the workouts. He loved the process. And when he says that he's just not going to be able to give all of that to the game and training camps, you know, these veterans hate training camp to give all of this to the game. I took him at his word, but I do know this. And I said it to you before we got on this podcast, Doug, happy wife, happy life. Giselle's like, look, dude, you're 44. I'm hot and, <laughs> and we got kids. Let's go sit on a beach somewhere. You can sell your TB12 stuff. No more football. Let's watch it at home and let's just be us. You've given this game 22 years. That's half your life. You're 44. You've given it half 22 years. Let's enjoy the what's left of our young adulthood. They're 44. They're not old yet, Doug, but they're going to be middle aged in like six years. So let's let's enjoy that. The NFL has had enough of Tom Brady. I think it's lip service. I think he wanted to keep playing another one, two, three years. Hell, he talked about playing when he was 50, and he had more passing yards and passing touchdowns than any quarterback in the league. He played at an MVP level, and you saw it when he got uh, – the busted lip on the play against the Rams, and he'd be rating that ref. He has a fire. He has a fire. Does that look like a guy that's mailing it in? He's ready. He is placating his wife. God bless him. You know, I think he does want a happy wife, but I think he feels guilty. You know, we know how our jobs take us away from our families and working weekends and nights and holidays. I get it. I totally get it. But here's a guy that you said love the grind, love the process, maybe more than anybody else. Then from July to February, you know that job consumed him. And he knows that, and I think he feels guilty about that. I think if Giselle said, I don't care. You can play till you're 60 if you want. Just do what you want. I think he'd still be playing. All right, one more question on Tom Brady. Okay. Does what he play? Mean? Does he play again? No, stop it. No, does he, he play again? Oh no, no. Some great players came back. Michael Jordan came back twice. Hey, how'd that look? How'd Magic that... Magic Johnson came back. Don't, Muhammad don't... Ali came back. Sugar Ray Leonard came back. Hey, Jerry Rice, Joe Montana. I mean, wait, there, there are tons of them. No, these guys quit and came back. I'm but not Jerry saying... Rice too. Didn't he quit? No, he never quit. He never quit. Jerry I just Rice think quit. quarterback's different. I think, you know, quarterback's different. I can see him pulling a Gronk in two years from now, signing with the Patriots, 
something like that. I think he's too proud, and he wants to play at a high level, and he was at an MVP level. So I think he still wants to play. I think he's uh, earnest about, you know, wanting to not sacrifice, make his family sacrifice anymore. I think he's earnest about that, and I'm going to take him at his word. But I think he wishes he'd still play, and I think he wishes he could. Greatest player, greatest football player ever, in your opinion? I think so. I mean, the most important position to win seven Super Bowls, who's going to touch that? You know, no one. Like I said, you know, had more touchdowns in his 40s and in his 20s. And, you know, it's just he's, he's the GOAT, I think. And I think he's the best of all time. Where do you rank him in the pantheon of all-time sports figures? Well, I I put it in my Mount Rushmore this week, and I had him in there with, uh, with uh, Michael Jordan. And uh, who do I have in there? Uh, Babe Ruth and Jack Nicholas, as far as the the uh, most important in sports. Now I had a second alternative Mount Rushmore for the ones with a social impact, whose greatness went beyond the playing field or the court. And you know I had Muhammad Ali on that list. I had Tiger Woods on that list, and not Brady, because you know Brady didn't have the social impact that those people did. Wayne Gretzky, another one transformed the NHL and uh in America. So of course uh, Serena. No Serena. So no Serena who, Williams. Who's your four? Who who who'd you leave my, out? Four oh, greatest my, my my four greatest athletes are all time. I got I gotta put Brady in there. Muhammad Ali, uh Brady, uh Babe Ruth's gotta be up there. Uh, he's mm-hmm. just the greatest baseball player ever. And Michael Jordan. That's my Rushmore. Uh, Serena, Serena Williams is the greatest female athlete and she's top 10 over all time in anything as, as is Tiger Woods. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but those four, man, you just, you, you have to give it to those four and one guy that gets overlooked duck and he crosses, he checks both boxes as far as, uh, what he did on the court and social impact, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar mm-hmm. and he brought champ and he had six championships, Doug. He gets overlooked. Kareem gets overlooked, but yeah. Kareem fought to so fought for social justice, and Kareem won championships, and Kareem won MVPs, and Kareem was and Kareem played into his forties just like Tom Brady did. He often gets overlooked. It's an interesting debate, you know. And like you said, you had females in there, you know, Babe Zaharias and and Serena and Billy Billy Jean King, social Jean impact King. and and winning. Oh my God, yeah. You could say she had a, a, as big an impact as anybody, you know, in their sport, you know. And and I pick on the Mount Rushmore, I pick Jack over Tiger because if Tiger's number one, Jack won more majors than he won three more majors than he did. But you, got, you have to give it to Jack, but I think Tiger Tiger won more majors in a more much more competitive uh, era of yes, golf. I agree with that, and so it's it's a complicated, interesting debate. It's fast. And LeBron, where do you put LeBron in any of this? You know, Magic, you know, Magic and Larry kind of saved the league. You know, so it's it's a fascinating debate. It really is. So I'm we, to- you know what, we might have to just chop it up sometime this summer and just devote a whole show to it. Mm-hmm. And because you know, when things slow down a little bit, uh, we might just have to devote a whole show to the greatest athletes ever. Uh, I would love, I would love to do that. We might need to just start doing that. Like have, have a show about greatest sports movies, have a show about greatest athletes, you know, stuff like that, because you know these people love lists and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and they love the healthy debate that's around those lists. So yes, yeah, that's, that's something uh, that we can put in our pocket for the future. So no football this weekend. So, uh, you know, I'm probably going to clean the pantry and, uh, you know, rearrange the or, you have a pantry? Wow. And that's great. Not much in it, but I, I got a pantry. Exactly. Going to need it when winter returns in about 12 hours. Winter, by the time this podcast is up and running, we're going to have ice skates out and uh, just hope the lights stay on. Don't want to go through what I went through last year. Did your lights go out last year, Doug? No, I had lights. I had no uh, power. No I had no heat and no water is what I had. I had power. But you had lights. Had lights. Why didn't the why, why not heat and heat? That makes no but sense. We're on propane. We're on propane. Oh my God! Who are you, Hank Hill? Really? <laughs> propane <laughs> accessories. Really, Hank the whole Hill. Subdivision. The whole subdivision is propane. Oh my God! It was forty-eight you... degrees in our house. Forty-eight. It was forty in my house, sir. 
I, I was in 39 one day. It was awful. Don't want to go back to that. Let's but, hope not. But, Doug, man, we had a blast today chopping it up with Brian Davis all over the Longhorns at Texas Tech, all over Brian Flores and the Rooney Rule, all over TB12 in his retirement. And we're going to bring more big Super Bowl preview show coming up next week, hopefully with some special guests. We're working on it, Doug. We are working on it. That will do it for episode 248 of On Second Thought. He is the Duck Kirk Bowles. I'm Seth Golden, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play. 